Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hello, you. Welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast, the UK's premier audio noise, giving you a hot blast of tech every Friday. The UK Tech Weekly Podcast is an infotainment tincture from the editors of PC Advisor, Tech World, Macworld UK, and Computer World UK. You can find us on Acast, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and pretty much everywhere you get podcasts. Every Friday, we bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed tech chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days so don't forget to subscribe review and tell your friends i'm matt egan editorial director of idg uk and today i'm delighted to be joined in conversation by two of our knifiest editors <laughs> great scott is it a ghost no but it's just as scary it's scott carey online editor of techworld.com hello hello dave <laughs> is it a nice warm hug no but it's just as nice it's david price deputy editor of macworld uk Hello, Matt. Today we're going viral and shouting Yahoo! So let's go. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. (coughs) 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 David Price, I have a cold, but don't worry, it's not infectious, it's viral. Why might that be a good metaphor for something we're calling Shatzam? <laughs> we're absolutely not calling it Shatzam. Um, there's been a couple of interesting things this week, uh, which sort of show the two sides of uh, viral sensations, as people always call them. Um, and the one uh, I think possibly you're referring to is Facezam, which has turned out to be a hoax rather, well, sort of disappointingly, but also reassuringly yeah um yeah because uh, face Sam was supposedly going to be maybe the creepiest um, <laughs> i mean there's a lot of candidates for this but maybe the creepiest app uh, concept i've heard um which was that you could take a photo of a stranger just anywhere uh, and then the app would immediately um uh, search uh, against the image data on facebook on profile pics and it would uh, show you who that person was mm. and let you friend them or whatever on Facebook and basically stalk them, uh, which, you know, everybody found pretty repellent and stalkerish. And uh, Did everybody find it repellent and stalkerish, though? Well, I suppose I could be in a sort of... Um, 
BM oh, I, pumps I, I, on bubble here, but most I just people wondered if that was kind of the reason why it was floated out there was because, like, I, I you know some reaction I saw was to do with the convenience. Oh really? Yeah. Oh god, that's a bit alarming. Uh, well, yeah. it is, I mean, and that's maybe that's the point. I guess I don't know. Well, the, the interesting thing was that um, you look you look back on it now and you can see all the clues because. Um, like one of the one of the things that the CEO, not really the CEO, not really company, but the fake CEO said, uh, was that I think privacy privacy no longer exists in the public society. Yeah, um, which is obviously just an awful thing to say, but it was presented as like a marketing slogan almost. Um, but I think yeah, you're right. There are some people that do have certainly complicated attitudes to privacy. Um, and I remember that on our internal Slack messaging. I immediately posted the video of Eric Schmidt, um, who is a bit of a personal um, bugbear of mine, uh, commenting on privacy and saying that if people don't want everything they do to be publicised, then they shouldn't do it in the first place, uh, which is you know pretty horrendous. Um, so I think they were trying to make a they were trying to make a serious point. Yeah. Who was they? Do we know? Is it just? Oh, I don't. I don't it was like to... a marketing agency. Yeah, wasn't it's it? often PR or marketing. But no, I'm not. Things. I'm not. No, they don't oh, get it's so credit annoying for that. when people do that. But um, yeah. It was a proof of concept. The thing that amazed me, well, it shouldn't really amaze me, but the thing that um, I found about this was the amount of media um, Mm. organisations that absolutely hook, line and sinker for this. And it actually, to the point where it went through like the three stages of virality, (laughs) where there was the initial like news report, oh, this is the app that lets you do this. But I actually eventually saw some like think pieces being like, this is why this is the death of privacy. And it was all from like a, a fake app announcement. Well, there's, a, there's actually a fourth step now, which is the mashable think piece about even though it's a hoax, it still raises serious questions. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. we, we, could, we should come back to those steps of virality because I think they're, they're interesting in and of themselves. But um, we've seen other hoaxes like this before, haven't we? I'm trying to think. There have been apps and things like that. There's been a few recently with um, videos um, where there was a video of a woman ripping a wing mirror off a mm. van. Um, yeah. And it was basically set up by like an agency to try and raise awareness of like uh, misogyny on the streets um but again it just picked up hook line and sinker daily mail yeah published it in full you know with their sensationalist headline or whatever and it it went across all the media organizations without anyone checking they've kind of got a guess out now haven't they which which to be fair we do as well but for different reasons but is that so i remember all the tabloids covered that as sort of fact and then then investigated or then at least would it was presented to them that it wasn't everything it seemed to be, and then they just sort of tweaked the headlines yeah. and stuff like that. But but having their cake and eat it, yeah, yeah. Well, they were never punished for it. That's a, I mean, that's not reason reason why they should be punished. But there's no there's no downside. Yeah, exactly. They get rewarded to getting caught hook line and line and yeah. by it. Is that you still get the page view? I'm sure there have been like fake products though over the past couple of years, and I really ought to have researched that. Well, yeah. So there's um. Uh, I, I did do some research. Um, Excellent. There's, um, there's a product, a fake product called iPhone, a table connect for iPhone, which is supposedly this, you know, full size table with a little. Um, it was the old, it's quite a few years old. Had a little thirty pin connector for an iPhone, and you plug your iPhone in, and then uh, whatever's on the iPhone is mirrored full size on this huge table, <laughs> and then you can swipe across the table uh, and interact with the table. And the funny thing about this is that they have since made a real product that kind of approximates to what that is because there was so a bit like the surface table actually which Microsoft yeah does. totally it's something that could be done but at the time there wasn't really the technology yeah. to make it feasible they just did it as a hoax and again everybody reported on it got really excited by it they've um, been they've been the odd sort of dating app as well like where again for, for reasons of sort of tawdry marketing essentially 
you throw yeah. something out there that's on the face of it ridiculous and then you get reaction and then actually yeah. the true story is below the line becomes the actual story, I suppose. Yeah. So let's talk about these three stages of virality then because because I suppose the most viral story this week would have been, what do we call him, Professor Dad? Profe- <laughs> Professor Kelly. Um, yeah, this is, this is the much nicer... Um, uh, aspect of viral stories because because um, uh, this was completely organic, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, or was it? Well, yeah. This, this is the point. <laughs> so I, I don't really know if I need to um, outline it. Tell the story anyway. But um, Professor Kelly, expert on uh, Korean geopolitics. Um, can they be Korean geopolitics? Are they yeah. not anyway? Uh, Korean politics. He was talking about the impeachment of the South Korean president on BBC Live over Skype. Uh, and while he was talking about something very serious, his four-year-old daughter comes barreling in through the door, uh, doing a funny little dance, uh, which is just adorable. <laughs> which me love just thinking about. Uh, and he and she just wants to get involved in her dad's yeah. uh, work. He sort of he pushes her back fairly violently, um, and then the eight-month-old son comes barreling <laughs> just in kind afterwards, of swoops in in his walker, in, little walker. And then the best bit is when um, Professor Kelly's wife comes in, tries to be surreptitious, uh, she's like <laughs> kneeling, so she's below the level of the camera, but you can see her, and she yanks them both out, and then closes the door with just her little arm poking through. And this is great, and everybody loves it. It is, and, uh, it is like without any hint of cynicism. It is one of the funniest things I've seen this it year. Is, like, it's a real sort of pure enjoyment. I was away just... skiing last week with um, my girlfriend and her family, uh, like various people that I know a little bit. And this video, I, wa- I watched it, and it did the entire rounds, yeah. and everyone yeah. found it utterly hilarious. Well, because actually, there was something quite joyful about it as well. And then, mm. and then maybe you go and talk about this, David. But subsequently, Professor Kelly has talked about. Because they because they had to the family poor family's privacy actually was was invaded to the extent that they had to talk about it. But he was saying that his daughter just celebrated her birthday at kindergarten, mm. and she was in his words in a hippity hoppity mood. <laughs> and there was just something so joyful about the way the child walks into the room yeah. that you'd have to have a heart of stone not to find it hilarious. Oh, I know it's wonderful. Um, and anyone who has kids knows how little they respect professional <laughs> boundaries. Um, yeah, but then you know there is that element as well, as you said that you sort of think, well, you know, what if it had turned out to be stays? What yeah. if there was some subterfuge? And I think that... Well, it didn't do his um, profile any no, it, well, any I bad... Mean, but it might have done. I mean, I think, like, if you, you know, from his perspective, you can see in the clip and then subsequently in the interview he did, I think it was for the Wall Street Journal, but it was quoted wildly elsewhere, like, that he really thought, because an important part of his role as a Western person working as a professor in a South Korean university is publicity and promotion mm. and he kind of thought he'd screwed over his contact with the BBC yeah. through it so he, he you know he never get asked yeah he, he thought that like his career would be materially damaged by this thing mm. as it happens because who doesn't like uh, a nice happy family scene you know he, he will have he will probably have to work a little bit to get beyond being that guy but yeah. but he now is known so it probably has done him some good but and he, he will be installing a lock on his office <laughs> from the inside <laughs> yeah yeah, that is, just uh, that is the thing I like about him most is that he he can, has consistently said it was his fault. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah, yeah. Whereas anyone else in that situation, I mean, I certainly would have uh, blamed my children, <laughs> possibly my wife, or your wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but she, you know, she made the best of it. So, this, you, but this like properly went through all the stages of virality, didn't it? There was. Yes. The initial like joyousness. Yeah. There then was the, then the backlash. The backlash. Then there was the backlash to the backlash. Then there was the Guardian think piece. Yeah. 
Um, then there was the um, scandal over whether people commenting on the video were being racist because yeah, well, well this, this happened in our nanny. office, didn't it? Yeah, like one of our colleagues said, well, maybe it's the nanny. Uh, I think <laughs> it has to be said principally on the basis of the fact that she was Korean, yeah, in ethnicity. Um, yeah, well, like probably most people watching the video didn't know the context. Yeah, completely. Um, so like there's no way to know on first watching that he is based in Korea because yeah, you, you're yeah. basically thrown into this totally. from like minute one um, and it's a Skype call so you can't like and then people are starting to comment on the ethnicity of the children which is a very slippery slope yeah. and it yeah. just all gets very comment section-y basically which is not a nice place yeah. to be often. Well that's so, the, other, the other aspect of virality isn't it is that it opens it up to everybody and the worst excesses of the internet come into play. It kind of reminded me a bit of the Boston bombing in a way where everyone became a detective all of a sudden and then yeah. right and then like Reddit that suddenly Reddit becomes like a load of people spec wildly speculating on their ethnicity, who they are, they start picking out details and it just becomes the wild west. Um, which is which is fine. Like that's the internet. People can do that. But when it has an actual like impact, then that's when it gets a bit dangerous. But I think as long as you understand the context again. So like so to go back to the point about is it fake or not? I think if that clip had, I don't think it is fake. If it had have been fake, it would have had devastating com- consequences. Because the reason why people liked it and it was interesting was it was this kind of really authentic picture of a family's life. Whereas the face Sam thing is quite a calculated means of getting mm. people to talk about something part of the point of it is that it's fake and it's it's necessarily exposed as being fake at some points. The other thing I found about the, the virality of uh, Professor Dad um, was, um, was, was the timing of it was really interesting. So we all sit in an office staring at screens all day, so it stands to reason that that it was picked up fairly easy by someone and they shared it on our Slack feed. So we were all looking at it, I think, let's say on Friday morning, if that's when it was. Um, two days later, people were sharing it into my various feeds. It's really interesting to see how information like that is shared it was picked up uh, the, the, the thing that was first shown to me was on the website joe.co.uk mm-hmm. um, but very quickly it was on all the nationals and some people were sharing that it's just really interesting how that kind of information is disseminated and also how people pick it up in waves mm. um, well, you get a hierarchy of it and it's very difficult not to feel a bit elitist a bit snobbish yes i have time to look at all the crap on the internet i I saw this two days ago when it's just just you happen to be on slack (laughs) instead of having something meaningful to do with your life yeah Yeah, i saw it way before all the ambulance drivers and surgeons losers (laughs) gps were really slow on this one Uh, but i mean i suppose there's something to be said um with the the hoaxes and the virality stuff that the way that it has now affected um news and the film industry and the music industry, the way that things now are evaluated on the basis of how readily they are shared. Um, and you, you could, I don't think it would be too much to, too much of a stretch to say that Donald Trump's success is an extension of his, um, of his virality. The fact that he says things that are either outrageous and then you share them or they are um, something that you agree with and he's willing to say and again, people share it. And he, he, has, he has understood the currency Mm. Um, of the sharing economy more than any other politician. Well, it's not about world. yeah, exactly. If you want to resonate, if you want, if you if if the currency is uh, people noticing you, being in the middle and being rational and being um, even-handed, yeah, are not good ways of doing that. Whereas being outrageous means you will definitely be noticed either way. And and given that apathy is a big issue in democracy, mm. 
uh, in established democracy anyway, um, that does mean you're likely to get your full share of people who might share in your opinions or your expressed opinions. So you're likely to poll well, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's go around the room. Virals well that ends well. <laughs> or we're in via straits. <laughs> David Price. I think we're in via straits. Ooh, Scott Carey. Uh, virals well that ends well. Yeah, I think I'm more on Scott's side on this. But um, we'll see if the world ends. Uh, before then, we'll take a short break and we'll come back to talk about Yahoo. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Ah, yahoo, who, who, push pineapple, shake the tree. Scott Carey, yahoo, which still exists, uh, is reducing its intake of M&Ms. Explain. Um, yeah, it's the end of the road for Marissa Mayer. Um, Marissa probably, Mayer. Probably the most high-profile female tech CEO of all time. I'd say. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, um, they, Can't think of anyone comparable. No, I mean, Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook, but she's not a CEO. Um, so, yeah, can't think Does of Does Ariana Huffington count? Mm, no, I'd consider her a media. But, and, I and, and, <laughs> but nice try. <laughs> and just no, but, but, but fair enough, good effort. Um, yeah, so she, her time as CEO of Yahoo has finished after just short of five years. Um, that's not all weep for her though because she walks away with um 23 million dollars in severance um she was already one of the most highly paid ceos in silicon valley Um, and she was employee 20 of google she was employee of 20 and this is actually one thing that i was going to get to a bit later but i'll get to now is um a lot of people sort of have reveled in marissa mayer's failings for for the past sort of five years there's always People have been very quick to jump on her, been very quick to criticise her. Um, and at, at the beginning, she was an extremely well-regarded hire. It was seen as very progressive from Yahoo, a company that very much needed um, sort of an injection of imagination. It needed to turn itself around. It was massively in decline. Um, and Marissa Mayer was already an extremely wealthy woman. Like, she was employee 20 at Google. She basically needed a new challenge rather than she needed the money um which yahoo probably saw as a good thing they probably saw it as a reason why she could be um that sort of injection they needed to make decisions and arguably certainly initially did make decisions that wouldn't necessarily lead to greater short-term profitability but but led to longer term uh what's the word relevance actually yeah. and certainly in the early years in terms of share price she had quite a positive impact yeah albeit. she did um and and some of that may have just been the sort of the the um wellspring of sort of good um sort of uh intentions towards her people basically um thought that she might have had the chops to to turn to turn the company around and she made a lot of sort of high profile moves um bought tumblr she bought tumblr um which again is um, something I'll get to in a bit, actually, because um, it's it's quite an important sort of milestone in her in her tenure there. Um, but she did. She made- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Made some huge moves on the media side, which never really paid dividends. She started hiring some sort of big-time celebrities to come and work for... Yahoo Media, um, even though we all know that the media makes no money, so that wasn't really going to have an effect on the bottom line. Um, but the main problem with her sort of tenure um, just seems to be that she, as you said, she would always come out with these like really good sounding ideas. She would talk about strategy, she would talk about the direction of the company, bringing it back to relevance, bring it back to its heyday. Um, but that would change too often. Yeah. So there would too often be these sort of zigzags in strategy. Um, and in the end, um, it sort of became death by by a million cuts. Yeah, and that is classic story for an organisation that has grown hugely, been very successful, and then just tipped over. Because it's very difficult to describe what Yahoo is these yeah, it days. Is. It used to be this huge portal, email, kind of kind of a lot of things that Google does. But but what is it now? And yeah. you know, from the CEO perspective, it's it is easy to be critical because on the face of it, you know, it's largely been a failure. But um, it's also extremely difficult to create that vision and then implement it in a huge organisation, yeah. which Yahoo is. And, and Yahoo's been in trouble for, for way longer than Marissa May yeah. has been in charge. It, it was been in tro- trouble basically since um, the dot-com boom. And, and the reason for that is that, as you said, it's, it's difficult to define them, but they are essentially an advertising company. Um, they make most of their money from display advertising, search advertising. Yeah. Um, and the that's problem for Yahoo is that those are both industries in yeah. decline, um, and eyeballs and advertising dollars have all gone well, have very much gone towards mobile, and Yahoo just failed to like jump onto that bandwagon in time. Um, so she basically was captaining a sinking ship and had to was charged with finding a new way of um, making money, either by leveraging what they had already into maybe mobile or whatever the next thing was or by creating a whole new revenue stream in itself. And mm. I definitely argue that it would have taken a monumental effort to, to do something like that. I, I mean, a Steve Jobsian sort of turnaround or like product or... Or, or the less sexy version, which I've talked about before, which is Microsoft, actually. Yeah. Which, look, for all that Steve Ballmer is a maniac, I'm not, I don't mean literally, just in case anybody legally is listening, but, <clears throat> but you know, he's perceived as being this kind of loose cannon figure whether it was him, but on, on his watch, Microsoft went from a company that sold products, all of whose products weren't very good, to being this enterprise 
giant that it is now, hugely profitable company, still with problems, but has managed to make that transition, albeit from a stronger base than Yahoo ever did. Mm. Um, and yeah, Steve Jobs, incredible, um, incredible performance there. But I mean, one of the frustrations with Yahoo is that um, before Marissa Mayer went there, they had purchased Alibaba, which mm. is this e-commerce giant from Asia. And, you know, th- there's an obvious thing, which we know ourselves, actually, which is if you have an audience and display advertising is your principal way of monetizing that, you need to move away from display advertising because that's a race to the bottom. But e-commerce is a very good way of monetizing that audience. Yeah. And yet somehow they haven't, again, they still quite haven't managed to tie it all together. And at one point it looked like they were doing that in Marissa Meyer's early years. And again, it seems to have fallen away, really. It kind of became a bit of an albatross around her neck, the Alibaba thing, yeah. because it actually started to become bigger than Yahoo yeah. um, because it became such a valuable stake. Um, so I think, yeah, trying to sort of amalgamate the two in a, in a sort of weird way, the way that um, The Guardian was always propped up by Autotrader yeah. um, for years. And it's sort of, once that goes or once um, that sort of outgrows you, it's very difficult to then get back to what your core business is. Well, unless, like, for instance, I mean, The Guardian's no one's idea of an extremely well-run commercial operation, but there is a reason for The Guardian to exist that ex- that is outside of commerce. So if the auto trader props it up, Mm-hmm. that's actually something that can be understood culturally within the organisation kind of thing, whereas Yahoo exists to make money. Yeah. There's no kind of editorial line that Yahoo's um, trying to sell or, or great journalism that it's trying to do, or that, or if it is, that's not its integral reason for being. Yeah. Um, she was also not an uncontroversial manager. No, so her legacy really will, will come down to um, sort of her overall leadership and, and the way that she spent money. Um, so as, as a manager, she she actually wasn't, by the end of her tenure, she wasn't particularly well liked in the organisation. It's difficult to separate the CEO from the failings of the company. Yeah. If you're at a company that isn't doing particularly well, you're obviously not going to be particularly happy. And the way that you um, display that is by not being very happy with the CEO. But she did, um, she, she made several gaffes um, in, in her time. There was, um, the major one was when she basically just blanket banned working from home. Yeah. Um, which went down extremely badly, both with employees and with the media. Um, she, it just could have been done in such a, a much more finessed way. Yeah, I mean, I think she, she clearly recognised there was an issue, yeah. whatever the issue was. Um, but yeah, just saying, and, and actually in quite a sort of holy in that way mm-hmm. and... You know, there were there were blogs about this, and there was kind yeah. of a um, nobody can, as they say in the states, telecommute. Um, was just inept because even if that was the right decision for that organisation, it just was communicated in such a way that it would have clearly alienated anybody who's ever worked from home. Well, it's just the sort of policy home. that you can't blank it on because, it, like, the the idea of working from home tends to be very much regarding like personal circumstances. Mm. So you have to be a little bit more flexible with your workers. Um, and it just, yeah, it just showed sort of a... It's interesting how history is recorded that, though, because I remember when, when that first happened and she first did it, I remember our UK CEO here forwarding it round to managers and saying, you know, we should think about doing this. Cause, so like the, initially there was this kind of halo effect around the fact that she'd said it as a Silicon Valley CEO. Relatively quickly, I think, other people in similar roles were kind of like mm. because you know it needs policing and it needs to be mm. managed right but you also need to employ the right people and trust them and often there are certain jobs where it might be more effective to do it from yeah. home what was her justification for saying you couldn't 
she wanted to foster more collaboration within the organization yeah. she wanted to basically get people meeting face to face more it, it was came down to this thing that she wanted to create more new product lines and mm. sort of like start producing things in-house that would bring in revenue rather than relying on their sort of I, I find declining. this really interesting as well though because she is a very bright person mm. who went to Stanford and really excelled I mean like um like, like was a proper sort of smart person coming out of Stanford which yeah, is I think she was a fair, I think she was a, um, a good engineer um, yeah and she was well and executive. was was then actively you know when I graduated nobody was knocking the door down to recruit me after my degree in English and drama from the University yeah. of Hull she was actively you know sought out by McKinsey and various big organizations and actually took a bit of a risk going to be employee 20 at Google mm. although that's when you take a risk when you just graduated but I wonder if she missed a bit of her career in a weird way because any manager in the world knows if you want to foster more creativity, if if, if, if the, the goal is get people together more often, what you do is you get people together more often. Yeah. You don't ban them from not being together, no. which is exactly what has happened there. And I understand as a CEO it's difficult to directly control these things, but you have to understand culture and how to change culture. And it has to be a positive thing rather than you cannot work from home. Yeah. That didn't, that, even if that was fully implemented and embraced by everyone, it's, you could still not work from home and not have any more meaningful meetings with your colleagues. Mm. And, and the blowback there, um, fairly or unfairly, was, was always tinged by the fact that she had just um, completed her first stint of maternity leave. Yeah. Uh, she just had her first son. Um, she now has three kids. She has twins as well. Um, but... Um, she famously only took two weeks of maternity leave. Yeah, uh, she had just joined Yahoo actually, um, and then any time that she made sort of a personnel decision, it was always reported in the media alongside that decision, or it was tinged. And by there that. is sexism there. Because... Yeah, and I'm going to say that like sitting here as three blokes, I'm going to tread quite carefully. Um, but I always feel like it was extremely unfair yeah. the way that um, people reacted to that, and there were some extremely sort of attack-minded uh, pieces towards her, like as a person, as a mother. Um, regarding that decision and and it's that whole thing is horrible and it, there's a culture of it and it's difficult to put your name on it and as you say as a man it's difficult to talk about it but you've got to call it out there is sexism there mm. there is sexism i mean like there have been cases where men have sued yahoo for sexism which are patently absurd but yeah. but they do speak to uh, a culture in which you know let's face it some people just don't like the fact that there's a woman in this position of power mm. you know yeah i think i think batting working from home was just an inept thing to do but the fact that she'd just come back from maternity leave is totally irrelevant yeah you know, the fact that she had that she used to bring her, her baby son to work with her yeah she had like a crash next door to her okay office. i mean not everyone's in the situation to be able to do that and again i can understand how it feels a bit tinnied that she's doing that whilst saying to people they can't work from home mm. but at the same time it's like if if it was a man doing that, no one would mention no. it. So David's playing the face. It does, it does seem. Oh, you're right. We do have to be careful what we say. But you, you, this is exactly it. Is that she she did give the impression, and I know a lot less about her than either of you, which is why I've been so quiet. But um, the impression you get from the outside is that she was this sort of grand dame on top. You know, she had these stupid parties where she dressed as Marie Antoinette, and and she was unapproachable <laughs> and. And a celebrity CEO. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she thought it was okay to control other people's work-life balance to that extent mm. 
Um, and yet it was okay for her to do whatever she wanted. And of course it is all right for her to do whatever she wanted, but it but, should also be... But I think the point is she, you know, she, like I say, she came back to work two weeks after she had her child. Yeah, and so she had that standard for herself that yeah. nobody else could do. Completely. normal people can't So it was insane. Like it, was, it was a stupid thing for her to do, but it was not about gender. That's the point. No, but it is... I think but it, there but is it, an element of... But it was always seen through the prism of gender. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, um, just you know, go on with her sort of legacy because there's a few sort of important sort of tenets. But uh, I, you mentioned Tumblr earlier, and her acquisition, her M and A strategy was an absolute unmitigated disaster. Yahoo, Yahoo is the kind of benchmark gold standard yeah. for terrible acquisitions. And they were bad. They were bad at this before her. Like um, I think it was either the CEO before her, or the one before him, um, who acquired Kelku. Um, for, for tons of money um, and that didn't end well for them I mean Tumblr was over a billion right? Tumblr was her biggest acquisition it was 1.1 billion um, it, she, they've already written off half the value of that um, since then so four years on um, and it's not looking like it's going to get it's not looking like it's going to get any better really is it um, from sort of a cultural standpoint um, but her yeah her acquisition strategy was probably the right thing to do like strategically, I think um, making some smart acquisitions. Like you look at Facebook acquiring like Instagram, and that was an extremely good acquisition. And they probably wanted to bring in something like that, a new product which they could monetize themselves from within the building. The problem is she she brought in fifty three companies, and forty one of those have since closed. Were these the ones with all the funny names? That yeah, you're bread, about? bread. Yeah, everyone everyone loves bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't even remember what bread did. I mean, but this, yeah, the problem is she, most of these acquisitions were just for the people at the companies. They were very small startups generally. And some of them, you know, brought in decent uh, ideas into the building. Like they do some like programmatic advertising at Yahoo, which was thanks to an acquisition. Some of their mobile stuff was via acquisition. They did some like developer tools, you know, so it was smart little moves, but none of them really sort of achieved what they Mm. wanted to achieve in terms of giving them like a second sort of thing in their arsenal really that they could monetize um and tumblr was the one that she really wanted to work like that and it just didn't happen so um yeah spending wise um fairly frivolous and just a little bit a bit, little bit scattergun a little bit like her strategy in general really yeah and have, they, have they said who's going to be the next boss? well the problem is yahoo is is disappearing it's turning into al altiba ali Ali Taba or something I can't remember the exact name but basically right. it's being once Verizon closed the deal it's basically being rebranded and it will just be um, the advertising business which still makes billions of dollars um, but yeah so we don't know who will be the next um, CEO they, they, a lot of the board has been cold like the CFO left um, the CRO um, Lisa Utschneider was paid 16 million in severance as well which is absolutely insane considering she joined a year ago wow. and she was already the highest paid CRO in Silicon Valley um, sales I know and that's chief the weirdest revenue thing. officer yeah chief revenue officer yeah, revenue. which sales shows how important that was to them to try yeah. and basically sort out their revenue uh, sources um, and then the last big sort of um, caveat to, to Mayer's um, tenure fairly or unfairly, will be the, the massive security breaches. And yeah. I, wrote, I wrote this the other day, and obviously Marissa Mayer isn't in charge of security at Yahoo. She has like a CISO and, and stuff like that. But if two of the biggest security breaches in the history of the internet happen on your watch, yeah. you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, and, and you're responsible. Whether you, you know, yeah. you don't take the salary if you don't take the responsibility. Yeah, and she's already um, 
she's already sacrificed her last annual bonus because of the breaches and because of the massive 350 million pound discount uh that verizon got off the deal because of the breaches um as an aside the uh u.s just uh, justice department actually um has indicted um four russian hackers today over the hack which is the first time they've ever gone after russians directly uh, for a hack they often suspect them but they don't oh, often God. actually say wars, that it was them good yes <laughs> uh yeah on a, on a macro level as well like there is apparently this it's it's kind of unspoken but uh because she institutionalized a practice which is uh prevalent in a lot of silicon valley companies but this idea of firing the 15 percent who are working least effectively promoting the 15 percent are working most effectively and again this is quite tineered but it, it became it was actually written down and it became part of the management practice that everyone had to assess every employee and yes. you literally got rid of the 15 what they percent. called it it was like a merit base yeah a cull <laughs> Well, this is the problem because because it's pretty much what happens in these kind of high performing Silicon Valley companies. But if you make it part of the legitimised, written down practice, you leave yourself open to um, uh, legal um, recompense. Yeah, and it's culturally fairly poisonous. Yeah, and again, um, that's that's another part of the legacy. Yeah. Um, okay, but it's it's just funny because 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 uh, as you started off saying, Scott, here's someone who is a very high profile woman. Very successful, very bright woman, and and unfortunately, mainly because of failure. Actually, uh, the perception is isn't great of her performance, and unfortunately, that's grist to the mill mm. of uh, let's face it, sexist constituency yeah. who you know see that through the prism of gender. It will be extremely interesting to me to see what she does next because there is no obvious path anymore. Yeah, like she's gone from Wonder Kid to failed CEO she's got so she's basically at the top there um and reality TV yeah oh, like it I just really don't know president. oh god no she could Carly, be Carly she, Fiorina did that actually she could be uh, Zuckerberg's running mate Ooh. uh that's horrifying utterly horrifying <laughs> I wish I'd never said that uh yeah no it, I, I and I have literally no idea what she will do next uh, she'll probably take some time um she'll probably count her 23 million dollars she could give us a million couldn't she <laughs> um she's an extremely extremely wealthy woman so um she doesn't have to do anything but i can't imagine at her age that she will stop working yeah, um, is she? she is 75 birth i think so a bit older than me 41 42 yeah early 40s not old enough to retire <sighs> that's old enough to retire yeah i wish Good, let's uh, go around the room. Yahoo or Yahoo sucks, uh, Scott Carey. Uh, Yahoo sucks. David Price. Yahoo sucks. Goes without saying. Thank you, listener, for listening to this edition of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Do get in touch, let us know your thoughts and opinions. Uh, you can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk. We will be back next week with more informed and uninformed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Bye. Goodbye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 